Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of The Thunder Heist, and I am joined by my co-hosts, starting with Michael R. Fletcher. Greetings. I am Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Obsidian Path series. Woo! And Rob J. Hayes. Hello, I'm Rob J. Hayes, author of the Mortal Technique books. And we are joined once again by the wonderful Will White. Will. Thanks for coming back to the show. The wonderful and other adjectives that begin in W, Will White. <laughs> Hi, I'm Will White. I'm the author of the Cradle series, and that is what allows me to be on podcasts like this one. That's it. That and your stuff. really, you are our first ever repeat, right. repeat guest, you know. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah, he is. Wow. wow. Oh, that's a big milestone. We need to like have a little certificate that we can mail out to you. I think that'd that's be cool. right. Yeah, just a little sticker. <laughs> I, I survived the Wizards, Warriors, and Words podcast twice. You need to just string W's together. It's Will White and the wonderful Wizards, Warriors, and Words. Just whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Oh, God, the alliteration, <laughs> it hurts. That's right. Like someone's dyslexically tried to type in an internet address and put way too many W's. Just, just kept going. You just leaned on the W key. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So if you're just joining us for this episode, this is the second part of a two-part discussion with Will and to make things even more confusing, he came on a few months ago for another two-part discussion, which you can look back through the podcast feed and find it there. So I thought I'd kick off with a question that could either be really easy or really hard. Will, Good. what would you say is 42. your... 42. <laughs> Thank you for answering <laughs> the meaning of life. Fantastic. Yep. Um, what would you say is your greatest strength as a writer and what would you say is your greatest weakness as a writer? <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. I think uh, one of the things I, I can I can answer with some of my general strengths and weaknesses. I think maybe maybe I'll find my way to a better answer over the course of rambling. But I I found out one of the things we talked about last week. If I can stretch my memory back that far, 
is we talked about uh, getting feedback and learning to, to give and receive feedback. And one of the things you learn during that process is you kind of learn what your strengths and weaknesses are. And one of the things I learned was one of my weaknesses is interiority. It's, it's getting close to the character's thoughts in, in narrative as you're writing the, writing the scene. I had a very easy time describing characters in an emotionally rich way from the outside in. From the inside out, I had a much more difficult time with that. So that is something that I'm constantly working on. I'm always working to improve that. And now what I'm trying to work on is improving that without sacrificing pacing. So one of the things I think I do well as an author, and I think I've done, I think I started off with a general predilection for this, but it's writing smoothly. It's writing something that, that carries you through easily. It's not overwritten. The prose is minimalized. And it's something that you that is, is easy to read, snappy, quick to read. And I like that because that's what I like to read. So I think I just when I'm imitating styles, I, I'm imitating people who are who are easy to read. I'm Brandon Sanderson, uh, Matthew Stover, people like that, where it's the, the prose flows really, really quickly. And so typically, I think it's that's one of my stronger suits. Uh, I also think that one of the things I tend to do well is I try to I try to focus on delivering exactly the story I would want to read. So and no more. So it's the I want it boiled down to the bone. I've said recently now with the Wheel of Time show airing, the Wheel of Time is one of the biggest influences on my style. You wouldn't think so because I don't write at all like that. But it was one of the biggest influences because Wheel of Time was my favorite fantasy series growing up. And yet I would recommend it to people. And there's so many books and they're so long and they go into such excruciating detail about cultural stuff and how to weave rugs and whatever that people that that turns people off. They, they, they get lost. They don't, they don't keep reading. They drop it. And so when I boil it down to the core story elements and I tell people the story, they think it sounds awesome. And then they go to read it and they didn't. So therefore I was like, when I write, what I want to do is write that boil the story boiled down to its core elements. So I think that's strong. And I think that's something I do naturally well. However, I also think there's a clear shadow side to that, that I also fall into, which is you tend to sometimes throw the baby out with the bathwater. It tends to be, I'm cutting, I'm cutting too close to the bone. There's definitely some more stuff that what I see is necessary. I can later back, I can later go back in and go, mm, there were some other things that would have been necessary to make this emotional impact stronger. So I lose sight of that sometimes. And I think that's a both strength and a weakness. Yeah, fair enough. Good response. Have you been watching the Wheel of Time show so far? I have. Yeah, um, I watched episode five last night, which oh, no because it has multiple people working on it, I can criticize it. I did not <laughs> like episode five at all. Really didn't. No spoilers, uh, please. Haven't seen episode five yet. Okay, well, this is gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna spoil this very minor point for you, so that you okay. can be prepared for it, as I was not. There is an extensive storyline with a random warder who's not in the books, and we get to see his whole backstory and whatever. And it's, it's every time you think it's not going to be a scene with him, it is, and they keep cutting back to him, and he doesn't matter at all. And I have no clue why we keep doing it. It's a complete waste of time. Hmm. So I think that was a poor decision. I think whoever decided what scenes should be in last night's episode did not do as well as they should have done. I think they made a mistake. Uh, but will he actually be a character who is who is important in the show? Because if there's one thing that, that the adaptations like Game of Thrones taught us, it's that you can always find time for prostitutes. <laughs> no, wait. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I would be very I surprised. Stand. 
I would be very surprised if he was a major character going forward from this episode. Okay. So yeah, did not like episode five. However, the rest of the series I've been, I've been on board for, there was some other stuff that happened in episode five, the part that actually did focus on the main characters uh, was good. I liked it. I liked a lot of whoever's playing Eamon Valda. I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head, but it's just absolutely killing it. Uh, and so I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the books. It's actually feeling like I'm enjoying the movie, or the, the show. It's feeling like the books is what I meant to say. Cool. Yeah. Cause I've, uh, yeah. Didn't think much of the first episode personally. Cause I thought the pacing was yeah. a bit difficult, which is understandable. Agreed. There's a lot to go across, but then yeah, episodes two, three to four have yeah. just been amazing. So yeah, I've been really enjoying it. I agree. I've only read the first wheel of time book as well. So yeah, it's kind of nice. Well, you're, you're knowing. still, you're still right there. You still know what happens. So yes. Still- yes. That's true. In the future episodes, do they keep using the thing, which frankly, I think they've done once or twice in every episode so far, where the uh, main characters run somewhere and then the bad guys chasing them stop for some reason? (laughs) (laughs) I like, they've done it twice with Trollocs in like in two episodes, twice with Trollocs and once with the wolves. I'm like, really? Twice in one episode. How many times are you going to use this one trope? Like the wolves in the first couple episodes. I thought the first episode was definitely the weakest until last night. And then now it's like, it's in contention but the <clears throat> reason i thought that is because really it doesn't it doesn't like get going until episode two and then in episode two that that happens twice uh, i don't think it happens again i don't recall i don't recall that but at the very least one of them was like from a magical curse city i was like all right that one, one kind of makes yeah, sense like the curse right i, mean, I, can, I can only get away with it once that. but like <laughs> three times is too much yeah the, but that they, is they true. That's like a lot. 100 foot back from the city walls that's like that's, oh, that's not like oh we don't want to go in the sea. That's oh god we can see the city. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a, that is a fair point. I will say, Mike, with the wolves, it should make sense later. So right. can discount that. Um, yeah. Uh, how do you think? How do you think Cradle would go if it was adapted? Will do you reckon it'd be pretty? I don't know. Yeah, go, go ahead. Importantly. Would you prefer Cradle to be adapted into live action or anime? Hmm. So anime, almost entirely. I, I don't. So for one thing, that's just me. Anyway, I just prefer. I think animation works better for sci-fi and fantasy properties. I just like it better. I think it looks smoother. Yeah, you don't have to have Marvel tier budget to make the special effects look organic. So I that's that's mainly. I, I just feel like you you look at the animated spinoffs and the and you go okay i think that looks smoother i think it's got a cohesive art style i think it looks neat so i think and also a lot of cradle is anime inspired of course the central thing is from chinese cultivation novels but there's a lot of anime influence so i think that would be a natural fit i would love it to get animated my whole attitude toward adaptations really is I've never been a guy who's like looking to get adaptations because as a fan, I just always assume adaptations are going to suck. One of the reasons I've been following Wheel of Time is because I assumed it was going to be just trash garbage. I thought it was going to be terrible. I thought it was going to be a just absolute fiery disaster. And it was not. I've been enjoying it. It's been, I've been watching it. It's not, it's not arcane, which is fantastic. (laughs) What is? (laughs) Nothing is. That's right. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the, the height uh but it's still i never expect that either and i love league of legends i was expecting that adaptation to be good because i knew that they were going to put a lot of resources into it there's a lot of talent behind it and i knew it was going to be good but i was thinking like b and that's yeah. that's basically the height in my head where where adaptations can go and so because i assume they're not they're not going to be great i have never been excited about getting an adaptation i don't particularly like i'm not out there hunting for one but also if i got one 
I would be happy. I'm, I'm, that itself would be a cool thing to me, just the, just getting an adaptation at all. So how good it was wouldn't really concern me that much because I'm going, look, I have a definitive version of the story. It's the books. So if you want a different version that's that's animated or potentially, well, I can't imagine a live action cradle, but potentially live action, then cool. Yeah, and maybe, you, maybe you'll enjoy that. That should be fun. But I, I don't feel like that reflects on the books too much. So I'd be like, I think that's, that's the way I always look at adaptations. Um, they are completely different. And, you know, they're, they're separate from the books. They are a different story being told. Yeah, okay, you know, you can say it's the same story, but it's not because they, they have to change things. There are so many things that, that will work in a book that won't work on live action or, or even animated. And the same thing can be said the other way around. There are so many things that will work live action that just don't work in a book. Um, so, yeah, they're just, it's a completely different format and a completely different animal. You can't go into something saying this should be exactly like the books because it won't, it can't. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And yeah, it's difficult when you are so attached to, to a particular book series and you kind of want it to be the same, but it never will be. And yeah, it's, it's always an interesting battle. Um, on a very hard tangent here, Will, going back all the way to Cradle number one, um, there was a massive genre twist in that book that really kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, and it's probably the, the scene that a lot of people mention when they're, they're talking about it to you. And it's the scene roughly about 30% of the way through where a certain figure comes into the book that sort of totally changes your understanding of what genre it is. Um, and yeah, kind of like changes it from being this this fantasy world to being one with like almost these these sci-fi elements to it. So I was just wondering if you could kind of like talk us through that in a way that isn't like super spoilery, <laughs> although it is early in the book, so it's it's okay. I'll spoil if that it. Happens. So I'm um, I'm going to spoil it. Yeah, because so, surely everybody in the world has read Cradle by now. Well, so it's it's less than halfway through the first book of a, of what's currently a ten book series and is going to be twelve. That's so fair. I feel like, and we give and we give unsold away all the time. So it's like it won't take you long to get to this point. It's not I'm not ruining a whole lot for Cute. you. So this is kind of this would be in the trailer. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna spoil it. But uh, a, a roughly a little a little earlier than halfway through the first book in the Cradle series, unsold. What is effectively an interdimensional space angel? comes down and uh, kind of reverses time, right? So you start, you go, oh crap, the, the scale here is a lot, a lot larger than I thought. So when I was developing Cradle, one of the things that they do in the, the genre that influences this, the Chinese cultivation serials that, that inspired this, uh, which, I, which I say that that's the most obvious direct parallel, but there's a lot of Korean and Japanese fiction that inspired it as well. But it's this sort of cultivation genre they often have higher realms of existence with gods you have these Taoist immortal kind of mythology behind it and so you have these this the god realm or whatever that is above them and so i knew going into this i was like okay so that that's part of this, this is the whole objective of advancement or cultivation is to improve yourself and reach this this higher realm of existence so therefore i have to have a higher realm of existence that they're, that they're headed toward and i wanted to show that early so I intentionally arranged it in the first book so that you think you're, you're down on the ground watching this dude come up. And then all of a sudden we, we ramp everything up to 11, right? And then we, we jump up at, a, at a, effectively a sci-fi, science, fantasy, interdimensional sort of like, wow, big 
big thing. And then we pull it back down now. And then that experience that the main character has having seen things from that perspective mirrors now what the reader has, which is like, well, wait a second, this, these small conflicts didn't don't matter to me anymore. And that's how the character is now thinking too. His, his thought process has fundamentally changed. So I structured it that way for that reason. So that your experience as a reader sort of mirrors what Lyndon has is I wanted this to be a big thing that then motivates him going forward. His entire perspective on reality has changed. And I want you to kind of understand that as a reader. Now, I had developed the, that the Abaddon and this, this whole higher level society for a different series, for an, an on its own series. So I had that kind of fully developed already. So that's kind of how I pulled it in. And I also wish, even though Serial kind of did this, the, she showed Lyndon all these, the most powerful people in the world, or some of them. I wish I had made that clearer. So one of the things that a piece of advice that people, when you're, when you're writing progression fantasy, so something where the main character is intentionally setting out to get stronger and that's, that's their objective, show the height of the magic system first early. So early you show where you're headed so that you get a sense for this is the cap. Well, the problem is the cap I showed was way too high. This isn't like the cap of the magic system Lyndon's actually working with on Cradle. This is the cap of the magic system two levels above that. So it's, it's incomprehensible to the main, to the characters and to the reader. So therefore it was, that was premature. I should have shown the, or either should have, I could have had that still happen and then had her illustrate why these people can help and it's and show off the monarchs, which are the height of the cradle system. So that we have an idea for, oh, okay. So Lyndon's going to be able to blow holes in mountains and punch Goku or whatever uh, by the end of the series versus reversing time and raising the dead and, banishing people beyond time and space and those are different things so that's what i wish i had done differently with that but i but i included that whole storyline or that element of the story intentionally to give the character somewhere to go and to tell the reader hey we're we're headed we're headed up and out that makes a lot of sense how much, how, how much is like the success of of cradle and unsold do you think is due to that point in in the book because up until that point, it, it kind of feels like um, not a very run of the mill, but it has a lot of the, the standard fancy elements of, hey, here's this farm boy, um, essentially, who's, you know, uh, looked down upon by everyone, all that lot. And then suddenly, like, it, it, yeah, this halfway through the book, you like suddenly everything just changes. And it, it's the it's the hook. That's the hook that makes you go, mm. holy crap, I've got to keep reading. So do you think that is largely that, that that point is largely sort of like what inspired the success? I think so. I think that's the first I think that's the first hint that I'm doing something different. Right. That I and, and that was and that was by design. That's the uh, that's that's the OK, we're going to settle you in. This is the, the just kind of the pitch of the, the genre. And you're like, yeah, OK, you know, it's he's getting picked on by the equivalent of high school bullies. So it's like. I'm not, you know, not doing anything crazy with the opening. And then all of a sudden you, you get a, a peak of, oh, wow, we are, we are doing something a little, a little differently. So I, I think that's a, that's definitely the first hook of the series. I think there were, so, so this is another thing about listening to, to criticism is there are definitely some people, not most people, but some people who read unsold and wish we hadn't had those elements. And this whole thing had just been a very grounded exploration of Lyndon going up through the through the ranks and getting grow, growing skill and, and I'm like one of the other things I wanted to say was very early this is not going to be that it's not what we're doing we're getting crazy uh eventually we're you know we're taking our time to get there but we're going to so that that was I think 
I think that hook was responsible for a lot of unsold success. I think that was the kind of thing that people were like, oh, wait a second. What, am, what are we in for? I want to see this go further. And then Soulsmith, which I released like a month and a half after Unsold because I did not expect Unsold to do so well. So I just very quickly wrote another book. Uh, then I released, and I, and I had part of that written already, but I released Soulsmith a couple months later. And it was another one where uh, the hook is the broader world. So we have another a fan favorite character, Ethan, coming in at the end of book two. And he is just a lot more fun to read. So he comes in and, and makes the it makes the tone of the series a lot more like it's what it's going to be coming forward. You start getting hooked there. And then when I did my reread, just as a, as a reader last year, I started feeling like book three is really where it kicks off. Book three is really where now it starts feeling like the rest of the series. So you get through book three and then it's like, ah, OK, now we're now we're starting. And that is that's that's probably too long. <laughs> I uh, I could probably have if I had realized that this is another one of those things about Jed asked me last week what I would tell people who are who are going to whose series gets popular. And one of the things is you don't know what series is going to get popular. You don't know. So nobody knows. You don't know. So I wrote this not because I thought it would be popular, but because it was what I wanted to read. I'm like, I wanted to read a something based on these cultivation novels and web novels that my friends would enjoy so that was something it was it was for a more western audience so i was going okay so I'm, I'm trying to meet meet them halfway and that's what i wanted to have wanted to exist so that was why i started cradle but i didn't know until basically two were out that it was really going to be popular and so that's when when three i had to sit down and figure out okay what is this story what is the series what is this world and how are we going to do it moving forward and you get that sense from reading from reading the third book so I, I think that is, I think, I think that is what got me there. It was the, the hook of, Hey, we are going to do something different. Don't worry. I'm headed there. But at the time I didn't know how long it was going to take me to get there. I didn't know if I was going to be allowed that many books. I might have to skip some years. I don't know. And then in two, it was now the tone gets a little bit right. And then in three, now it's okay. This is what you're in for. This is what you're reading. And I think that's, the progression that worked that worked for cradle but if i had to do it over again and i do then i would uh <laughs> i would try and have book one be a better representation of the tone and content of the rest of the series so i would try to do in book one what i did in book three but i don't know if that's i don't know if i can i don't know if that's possible i'm, I'm not sure you need to especially with sort of like um longer longer series with shorter books like that i mean you know it, each book is what a hundred odd thousand words or something like that um yeah the first the first three are uh well the first two are under a hundred thousand words yeah. and then most of them are just a little bit over a hundred thousand yeah and it, it, you know it's obviously going to be 12 books uh long but then I, I i i likened it quite a lot to sort of like the the shonen style um anime and manga that you get and quite oh, a yeah, lot absolutely. of those yeah the they don't hit their their real stride or the real tone of the show until a fair distance in i mean i've, I've been re-watching sort of like naruto recently and yeah. uh it it starts off as this very sort of like happy chirpy you know anime about a you know dysfunctional kid basically um and uh somewhere on the line it starts it starts getting a bit dark and you start seeing more of like the the character interactions and yeah it's it's a good sort of 60 odd episodes before it really starts to settle into where it's going to be going 
So that's look, yeah. that's really true. And, and I think that's a lot of, I mean, you're talking about Naruto. That's very true. Uh, the, the whole first arc of Naruto is not at all representative of the rest of the, of the show. I mean, I really love the, the Zab's arc. I think it's really good, but it's not at all representative of the future arcs. Uh, but one of the things I like about Naruto is from the very beginning, at least up to what they call Naruto and then the anime starts calling Shippuden. So, so before the time skip, everything they do and every arc they do, all the characters have a personal stake in it. They have something that is really, they're, they're going to get out. They have their own goals. They have their own emotional connection to it. They have their own personal stakes. And there's a real chance that it could go very wrong. And I really like that because it's all, it's, it's well, way better organized and plotted than people realize it is before the time skip. So I, uh, yeah, not including the filler. That's true. That's right. I really, I really talk about the manga more than I am about the anime, just because that's there's no filler in that. So <laughs> I really appreciate Naruto from what for what it did in terms of. <clears throat> I think it was very well structured, very well focused on the characters and their conflicts uh, for most of its early run. And honestly, that is kind of the thing that I was that I that I would aim for at writing starting off a series is going okay, how do I make it clear what, who these characters are and what they're after and what their conflicts are and then make it feel believable that they, that they overcame them while doing this cool thing, you know, with knives and water shurikens. Yeah. Aside from, um, aside from that tip, which I think is a good one to, yeah, make sure you're kind of clear on the tone and, and the overall goals of your character before you start the series. Perhaps one last, one last question before we start to close this episode out. What advice would you give for people starting to write progression fantasy or people who have already written progression fantasy but want to kind of up their game so one of the tips i definitely always have is like i said a minute ago show the end of your progression system early so relatively early in your in your first book you as soon as you can in your first book you want to see somebody who's a true master of the system and i think that's probably true anytime you're introducing a magic system that has tiers even if it's not really a progression system as in the plot or, or the story of the series is primarily around main character getting stronger i think that's a, just a good idea let's see what the most capable people are capable of early on so that we know so that we're so that we're framed in right i think that's a good just very specific tip in terms of people writing progression fantasy i think for me what i enjoy is i enjoy it the progression elements being a driving force of the plot and of the characters. And I enjoy this being a, a major thing that the characters are trying to do because the reader wants to see the characters get stronger. So I like the characters to also want to get stronger. It just helps. But I also don't, I do not like that as the be all end all of the plot. So I know a lot of, uh, there, there are fantasy series, uh, progression fantasy series out there. There are a lot of web novels out there where that's all that it is. That's all you're reading. Uh, they're not trying to do anything else. They're just trying to level up. What are the steps to leveling up? How do I figure that out? And then how do I level up? I like that as a secondary element, but I don't like it as, as the only thing they're doing. So I prefer it to be they're on some kind of adventure. They have some sort of objective. And while they're, and in order to accomplish that objective, then they have to get stronger. And all, along the way, there's other things they're trying to accomplish. So they're trying to get revenge. They're trying to survive a duel. They're trying to uh, establish a city. They're trying to do whatever. They're trying to explore a place. I just prefer it if they have some goals that are in addition to that. So I think that that's important. But the main thing I would say to people is you want to write it so that it's engaging the whole time. Don't, don't bore your reader. Just, just, uh, 
try to make it so that it is every time they are setting out to do something, there are stakes for it. And there's a reason for the character to be doing that. And for the love of God, give your main character a personality. Uh, <laughs> one determined is, is a personality trait, but it's just one. And so that's what I'm, I say that because that's Lyndon's primary personality trait in Cradle is he's extremely determined to do this. He's the, the determinator trope, right? But there, he's got other personality traits. He's got other things he cares about. He's got other things that, are, that make him who he is. And that comes out over the course of the series. And I think that a lot of people, uh, when they're writing anything, including progression fantasy, it's they, they give the character one defining characteristic and then they don't do any more. <laughs> It's like he's he's this, but that's it. And I greatly prefer my characters with very clear, memorable personalities. I just it doesn't even have to be personalities I like, just just memorable, interesting personalities. And I think that's very important, especially in progression fantasy that can tend to drift toward just a mechanical. This is how you level up, and this is how I figured out how to level up, and then I leveled up, and this is what leveling up was like, and then I used the level up to do this. <laughs> And so because it's, it, it can drift into that, I think it's even more important to have the characters be memorable and have strong personalities and strong reasons and drive to move forward and other goals other than just getting stronger. You're getting stronger for a purpose, to a, for a personal reason. A that friend is of mine advice. just sent me a, a book to read, like a early draft. Uh, and he's the writer. He's like kind of my age. And he wrote this book about this character who really just, he wants to be left alone. Mm -hmm. And while I can relate, um, it's a terrible character trait for an interesting novel. Yeah. Like yeah. that, I, I would like to be yeah. left alone is not really a motivation. So I kind of had to, you know, like slaughter his book. <laughs> and be like, this cannot be <laughs> yeah. his motivation. He can, at start, that can be like part of his character. One of his traits is like, he doesn't want to do this. But now you have to like put shit in front of him and he has to. And it can't be, he can't constantly, you can't spend the entire book trying to get out of being in the book. Characters are yeah. tried develop. But, uh, well, there's, there's the well. different sort of like schools, isn't there? There's the, uh, you can, you're either trying to create a, a character within the story and you're trying to tell the, the story with that sort of character, or you're trying to create a proxy for the reader. Um, and if you're trying to create a proxy for the reader, sure, you don't need to give them much of a personality because, I mean, but that, that's like when you play a computer game and you create you as the main character, you're just, you're a proxy that's within that world. Um, and, it, it, you know, those sorts of things can work. They can sell well. People do want them, I suppose. But I feel that if you're really trying to tell a story, you, you have to have the character with their own personality, their own defined, you know, goals and development within the story. Or it just comes across as bland to me, at least. Agreed. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap this point up. Uh, yeah, if you would like to see more of our chats with Will and you haven't listened to our previous three episodes that we have done with him, um, go check those out. I will also try to pop a link down below so you can click on those as well to go to that. Um, yeah, otherwise, uh, feel free. If you have watched all those previous episodes with Will, feel free to go ahead and share this. Uh, if you have a friend who is also a Will White fan, um, do you have a do you have a name for your for your fan base? Oh, I don't. I they might have a name for themselves that I'm not aware of. Okay, I don't. Uh, I the white. I don't. I don't know the white. Yeah, that's like <laughs> I don't know. This tends to this tends to the fact that my last name is White tends to make that pretty awkward. 
So they sure. would have to uh, <laughs> they would have to figure something else out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there's, there's something to something to put to the brains trust. I reckon. Try to try to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a fan base name there. Um, yeah. So. Thank you so much for coming on, Will. I really enjoyed this chat with you. Um, yeah, like I thought I learned a lot last time we talked, but this has been even more. I've written a ton of notes down here. So my game last time. Yeah. No, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah. No this, this is why Jed keeps inviting you on, just to mine you for information. Pretty much. <laughs> basically what I do with all our guests. Um, and then, yeah, it, that or to catch me confessing to crimes. That too. That too. That was off air. But, so it wasn't recorded. Now you're on air and it has been recorded. Oh, so. no. See, uh, see, you referenced it. I, I could have been saying anything. Uh, exactly. Now, now they know that you all heard me confess to that terrible crime. That's it. Um, so, Will, for people who like haven't read any of your books, where would you say is the best place for them to start? Probably, why well, won't put words in your mouth. Where would you say? Oh, I would say, no, I would say Unsold, uh, yep. one of the Cradle series. Yeah, it's definitely where I'd, where I'd direct anybody. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, read it, loved it. And Ooh. yeah, it's got me excited for the rest of the series as well. So yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Will. Um, and yeah, thank you everybody for listening or watching. Quick shout out to our recent Patreon, uh, Nisha. Thank you for signing up. If you want to help support the show, head to patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words. Uh, and you can get some cool bonuses on there as well. Um, yeah, also have for our next episode, a bunch of like questions from people and comments too. A quick highlight from that, Mike, which I will just bring up briefly because I know you will appreciate it, is one of our listeners, after going through our Introducing Readers to New Fantasy Worlds episode, uh, immediately went out, actually paused the video and ordered themselves a copy of the Millennial Manifesto from Amazon. So <laughs> It has sold a copy. We're getting there. <laughs> there are now five people who have read that book. That's yeah. it. Wow. Maybe not five. <laughs> probably a few more than five probably a few more than i was five. counting you in there as well oh yeah well <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's um, that's yeah step out of genre and you get you get the kick you get kicked but then later it becomes cult kit so you know what can you do about Listen. it anyway thank you everybody for listening or watching and we'll see you next week bye everybody bye ciao Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.